Good afternoon. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today is Saturday, March the 4th, 2023, in the late afternoon. And in Australia, it is, I believe, the morning of March the 5th, which is very convenient for my return guest, the infamous Amy from Sydney, as she is known on Twitter. But her less used name, less recognizable name is, I think, Amy Purcell. So, yes. all right, so far, so good. So Amy continues to be heavily invested in the fight for freedom and justice generally, but even for Americans. So, Amy, what's happening? We haven't talked for a while. No, it's been quite a while now, hasn't it, John? But, well, in the past few weeks, we've had some very interesting developments, haven't we? I think that um, Fabian and Accidental Americans fundraising endeavours seem to be going quite well. We're getting those links shared across social media and the donations are coming in. I understand that a article was um, run off the back of that, apparently in the Netherlands. It's gotten some, some good PR and people have taken notice of that, which is great. We've also had the recent results from the Bittner case. And, yeah, well, it didn't quite get him off the hook, but I suppose a $50,000 fine is a lot better than a $2.7 million fine. From whose Mind point you, of view? You mean from Bittner's point of view? Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people in America who would think that he should be hit with a $2.7 million fine, a lot of homeland yeah. Americans. In, indeed, a lot of them would. And unfortunately, I think some of these people within the US government are the people that we're coming up against for this. But I, it, it does bother me that Bittner has had to pay this $50,000 fine for something that actually really shouldn't even be an issue. The man did not know that he was required to file FBAR because it's not widely advertised. As soon as he found out that he's supposed to file, he did. He filed five years, filed every account and did what he had to to catch up. Instead of thanking him for his honesty, they whack him with this fine for which he has to go through all the courts right up to the Supreme Court. I just don't really think that that's fair, but, you know, it's... I suppose a fifty thousand dollar fine is slightly better than two point seven, but it's still a lot of money for him to shell out. Well, don't forget the lawyers' fees and everything as well. But yeah. you know, Amy, it would seem to me that you know the principle: no good deed should go unpunished. You know, would should mm. be the American way, wouldn't you think? Oh, definitely. We we deal with the U.S. government every day in their supporters and no they really do seem to have quite a negative view of citizens abroad even when we try to follow their laws when we've made it clear we don't agree with their laws but we do it anyway because it's the law <laughs> like and this is how they hit us well the problem is that it's very risky to be an american because following the law is clearly a risk and not mm. following the law is clearly a risk i mean if shakespeare were writing today You'd probably be writing in the context of somebody like Hamlet to file or not to file. That is the question. 
whether to take the risk of almost certain penalties caused by my filing or to continue under the radar. I think Shakespeare would perhaps right pen that today. Mm, I think so, especially if he was a U.S. citizen abroad. Absolutely. You know, it's life is not easy being an American, is it? I don't think it is. I am. Um... I'm quite frequently up at night worrying about what happens if I miss an F bar or I'm late or what if I accidentally use the wrong conversion rate and put the wrong amount in. I couldn't afford a fine like what he got. Well, maybe, you know, maybe the answer is if you can't afford the fines of being an American renounced. And we were saying, well, I just renounce on Twitter. Just renounce. If you can't yeah, afford the fine, renounce. What do you think of that? Well, it's yet another slap in the face, isn't it, John? Because it costs 2350 US to renounce. Who's got that kind of money lying around? We uh, get upset money costs to file. That's, you know, that is investment grade money. I mean, you know, you don't see that as an expenditure. See that as possibly the best financial investment you could ever make. And, you know, it's interesting with the, the you know, they've announced they're going to lower the fee, but I'm wondering if people will have less interest in renunciation if they lower the fee, you know, thinking that maybe it's not worth as much to not be a U.S. citizen. Hmm. Now, maybe well, that's maybe what they really need to do to increase the revenues is raise the fee so that people understand the value of not being American. What do you think? I think that's exactly the way Obama was thinking when he increased it to 2350 Absolutely. It is so valuable to not be an American. It is so valuable that, by God, people should pay more for the privilege, don't you think? Hmm. I mean, they think it's the greatest country in the world, yet renouncing is almost it's become like almost like social status the people who've renounced just seem to almost like have they're carrying around a trophy because they were able to do it well i, I not a reflection of the US government. Well, you know i i mean i did a podcast a while ago my dodge stratus podcast you know where i was having this discussion with somebody who was really up you know her Identity was very much tied into being American. She was so upset that she felt she had to renounce to survive. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I told her uh, that, you know, no, no. Uh, actually, um, she wasn't losing her American identity. She was just getting the freedom from the regulatory regime. And in this very real sense, by renouncing, she was becoming, you know, transitioning into sort of an enhanced form of American citizenship. Being able to be an American without being subject to the regulatory regime, so for so that means that you could renounce, and then you could just preach to everybody else, you know, from your new exalted status. Uh, <laughs> you know, go ahead, you should renounce too. Well, to be fair, I feel like in terms of identity, where you were born and raised. It will always be part of who you are. And we've, I live in Sydney, which is quite multicultural and very, very culturally diverse, very much so. And a lot of these people, they were born and raised in other countries, came here, took on Australian citizenship and renounced their previous citizenship. But when asked, they still say, oh, I'm of this nationality. 
or this heritage. It's still ingrained in them, even though they are now legally Australian. And I think that's actually lovely because they've held on to something special to them. They have held on to their family history and managed to bring that forward into their new life in Australia. And they've taken on the legal protections of Australian citizenship. They've managed to find the best of all of it. And from what I hear from a lot of them, they're really happy with that. So I do know for a fact that there are some Americans who are included in that number. I've spoken with a few and they will still always be seen as American or at least partly American for as long as they live because it is part of who they are. But are they but, subject to things like FBAR penalties? I mean, they can't really be an American no, subject to these penalties, right? That's correct, John. As, as penalty-laden citizenship. It's a penalty-laden citizenship, isn't it? Mm, yeah, they're, um, as soon as they've renounced, they're free of all of that. But having said that, it does actually weigh on my mind too. I am an Australian USA dual citizen, and that's actually been part of my identity since birth. I've been a proud holder of two passports, even though every single time I complain about the price of having two passports, not to mention the fun of trying to get two passport photos of different sizes and shapes. But I don't want to have to renounce my US citizenship either because my parents made the choice that they wanted me to be a dual citizen. My mother was an American. She came here, married my father, had kids. My dad wanted me to be a US citizen as well. He supported my mother on that decision. So if I renounce, I'll feel almost like I'm kind of going against the decision that they made all a those betrayal. years ago. Does this be a betrayal? It does feel like a betrayal. And it feels like a betrayal of my family who are still in America. I haven't seen them for many years but I'm still a member of that family. And it would put me in a position where I was then the only member of the family not holding US citizenship. So this is not a decision I'm going to take lightly either, but it has occurred to me that simply to survive financially, there may come a day when I will need to renounce. Well, you know, I think it's probably true, but, you know, you talk about your family in America, you're the only family member who has to file penalty-laden forms, probably, aren't you? I'm the only one who even has to file an FBAR. <laughs> like it's, and I'm the only one who has the risk of having a bank account cut off simply because I live outside of the United States. Amy, were you born outside the United States for the purpose of evading U.S. taxes? <laughs> that does seem to be what the U.S. government um things about me yeah like i deliberately planned to have my mother move to australia six years before i was born simply so i could you know be born in australia which actually has higher tax than in the usa but yeah i did it all to avoid us tax that is actually what they think <laughs> yeah. they haven't thought at all have they well have they thought at all? Uh, no. Um, no. I think that they, they don't even understand what this is about, actually. It's my they guess. I mean, certainly, if you were to discuss this with any of your family members, they probably wouldn't even believe you, would they? 
I've had some trouble getting it across. A few of them have said, yeah, but every other country in the world would be the same. They'd also impose their tax code around the world for their citizens around the world. I said, no, actually, they don't. It's just USA in Eritrea. When you go overseas from Australia, you don't actually have to do that. I have heard from a family friend over here who has previously worked in tax that sometimes when people move out of Australia temporarily, they can actually sign a statutory declaration saying, I'm living overseas, paying tax overseas and earning overseas. So that's that's why the Australian Tax Office isn't going to hear from me for a couple of years. And apparently that's accepted. So if I was if I was to move from Australia to America, I would not be worried about the Australian Tax Office or the ATO as we call them for short. I would not be worried about the ATO coming after me. I would probably see if I need to sign one of those forms so that they way they at least know where I am so they know where I'm not. But I wouldn't worry too much about it, no. These forms you have to sign in Australia, do they come with penalties too? Not that I'm aware of. I was just told you just sign it just to say that you're not in Australia anymore. This is a family friend who worked in tax was telling me about that. I don't know how widely known it is because we've got a lot of people who leave Australia and go live and work overseas and I've never heard of somebody returning and saying how hard it was to deal with the Australian tax code from New York or London or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Which means that I think the Australian tax office may be a lot more easy to deal with than the Internal Revenue Service. Are you suggesting that that it can be understood? I actually find the Australian tax code a lot easier to understand. Is and I'm, but I'm not a tax expert. <laughs> good or a bad thing? As I an Australian... I be very proud that, people, that nobody can understand their tax code. <laughs> I don't, they just the don't realize how to get laughed at. It's part of the majesty of the Internal Revenue Code. You know, you have this whole profession who are devoted to nothing but reading the Internal Revenue Code. I mean, you know, some people go to church on Sundays, but tax professionals probably congregate to read the Internal Revenue Code together. What do you think? They probably do, and they're probably hiring lawyers to decipher particular words for them while they're at it. Yeah. Because they can't understand. So tell me, uh, what's your sense? You know, you're out there on Facebook. You're out there interacting with the world. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think that most of these Americans abroad are, are pretty happy with citizenship taxation. That's what I think. What do you think? Well, <laughs> I hate to say it, but there's a bit of acquiescence going on there, isn't there? At the very least, possible willing compliance. It's enthusiastic (laughs) acquiescence. Yeah. I've noticed that it's quite hard to get some of these people on board and some of them occasionally... What do you mean on board? Get them on board. They're not even willing to so much as sign a petition. Like, all you've got to do is sign a petition. It takes 20 seconds. They don't want to do it. They well, could do don't. They they could do, it. do they see it as like sort of a frontal, vicious assault on their identity of being an American? That, you know, That's as an quite... American, you file forms and taxes and stuff? I mean, is that the problem? Yeah, that might be. You know, actually, I was um, speaking to a um, 
a contact of one of my friends a few months ago who's an American living here and he was he was polite but he was rather defensive of the US tax code he was of the opinion that us filing two sets of taxes is a small price to pay for dual citizenship ouch does it occur to him that if he was an Australian and EU citizen he would not have two sets of taxes. It would just be wherever the heck he was at the time. But no, well, I, think they I, I think that, you know, I think that this is very much a cultural thing, right? Hmm. I mean, America is about taxation. That's what oh. it is. I mean, leaving aside the tax code, right? It is the world's true, true taxation-based citizenship, right? In the sense that you know, not only are, you know, their lives completely governed by it, but they're proud of this. You know, I think maybe they, it gives them something to do. I mean, Americans, I think, have a lot less free time on their hands than residents of outside America who are not U.S. citizens. Because, I mean, just, you know, you got all these people who are not U.S. citizens and they have all this extra free time because they don't have to worry about forms and penalties and, you know, stuff like that, right? Yeah, looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, to give you an example, on one of our local Americans in Australia Facebook pages, and we've got we've got a few of them, but I'll just use one example because I po I did post to all of them, by the way. Last week I posted something saying, "Hey, donate to Fabian's link because this guy's actually trying to raise the funds to." hire some services that will support a court case that will get us out of this mess. These people in these Facebook groups every day are posting about where's a good USA tax agent in Sydney or Melbourne or wherever. Why, how much does it cost to file? Does it make a difference if I'm married? Does it make a difference if I've got this? They're asking all these questions about tax, constantly complaining about the price, but... You send them a link where they could do something about it. Heck, they wouldn't even sign the petition. That takes 20 seconds. My guess is they don't want to put their name to it, but they want someone else to do it. I posted oh, this. I, I, think that they, I think they support uh, citizenship taxation. I think that I think people would, you know, I think it would be just, you know, a completely discombobulating loss of identity if they didn't have to file U.S. taxes. I mean, this is... I think a large part of who they actually are. I mean, it, it's amazing. Proud to be suffering. Hmm? <laughs> proud to be suffering. No, they're proud to be American. And as an American, <laughs> you know, what it means to be American is taxes, forms, and penalties. I, I mean, I think possibly the ones who are proudest of being Americans are the ones who've been assessed the largest penalties. Maybe Bidner's the proudest American out there. What do you think? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I, I think Bittner probably needs to go to a bar and buy himself a few drinks after the week he's had. <laughs> he's had a few stressful years, though. <laughs> but just recently, the burger chain Wendy's announced that they were expanding into Australia. You should see the discussion on the Americans in Australia Facebook pages. Everybody's so excited about Wendy's, and yet... When someone wants to discuss, let's get out of this tax situation, the silence was deafening. Literally, all I got was crickets. There was one. 
Amy, they love it. The truth is they love it. You know, this is part of who they are. Tax form. They're they're proud members of the tax form and penalty club. But but you know, they, they just deny that it. That's all good. No, they absolutely they are. But you know, but you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, all these these Facebook groups that started out with, you know, sort of a, a legitimate purpose have now been hijacked by you know, how do you file this and how do you file that? I mean, this is a choice uh, that you know that they have they have very very clearly made, but. You know, part of the problem with this, okay, that I see is that so the purpose of the a purpose of the U.S. tax system, right? If you look at the U.S. tax system, it taxes its residents, it taxes U.S. source income, and it taxes residents of other countries on non-U.S. source income. You know, according mm -hmm. by criteria that would include a U.S. place of birth. So these Americans who are supporting this are actually supporting, you know, the imposition of U.S. taxation in Australia. And mm -hmm. they deny it, but they clearly are. And, you know, I, I have a real problem with this, actually. You know, they come into these countries and, you know, what they stand for is, hi, I'm going to be a vehicle for the U.S. to impose taxation on your country. I'm proud of it. Well, just the other day, I was having this discussion with <laughs> a lady that I ran into just at a local shopping center. You know me, John. I'm one of those people. I talk the hind leg off a donkey. <laughs> and I get into conversations with randoms all the time. And I was telling this lady all about the US tax code. And she was so furious about this. And this is an Australian lady. She said, this needs to get out there. We need media coverage because... America should not be putting their tentacles into Australia. Now, as I said, I'm also an Australian citizen. She wasn't an American. She was not an American. She was an Australian. And I'll say it, like, at the risk of being accused of discrimination, as an Aussie, I don't want other, go other governments and other countries imposing their laws in this country. Australia is Australian and it's to be run by Australians. And we elect the Australian government. We've got the Australian tax office. And I'm sorry, but any other country that wants to come in here and impose their tax code and tax our stuff can just get lost. And that includes the US of A. They can get stuffed. Well, you know, that's that's a very radical thought there you have, Amy. <laughs> Ask the US government, they'd probably I call me a radical. Australia should be free of US taxation. Absolutely. The whole point of the saving clause in the tax treaty is to accomplish this. Right. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, US taxation of Australian assets, citizens, etc. But I mean, how do these like how do these people who are, you know, Australian, you know, they're dual citizens or whatever, I mean, do they not realize this? That basically, you know, for example, uh, you know, a year or two ago we have Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax proposal, which very, very clearly, if enacted would impose U.S. taxation on the assets of people outside the United States, right? You know, right. These, uh, you know all these uh, U.S.-centric uh, Twitter accounts, you know, actually supporting this, you know. I mean, they're actually supporting, uh, you know, U.S. tax policies that impose U.S. taxation on the assets of people in other countries. I mean, I'll give you a simple example of how it works, mm -hmm. you know. 
you know, an American moves to Australia, you know, or say a, some sort of a, a community property jurisdiction marries a non-American under the community property laws of the country, you know, owns half of the assets or something like that, even though they're really family assets. Yeah. And the way the wealth tax clearly was designed to work is to confiscate part of that asset, right, outside America. I mean, do you, do you think that's okay? I don't think that's that's okay at all. And well, do you think the I don't know if you American expat would think it's okay. I hate to say it, but I actually do think that some of these people would think it's okay. There are some that would be downright horrified, but those are the people actually paying attention and bothering to think. But no, like I mean, if you um, if you're read anything about Sydney and Melbourne house prices, especially Sydney. Our prices, even though we've had a bit of a recent downturn, they're prohibitively expensive. People are literally having to scrounge $200,000 deposits to get a loan. The last I heard, our median house price, even in the downturn, was $1.2 million Aussie dollars. That is prohibitively expensive. Right. Now, an American living here is subjected to those same prices. And what happens if it goes up and keeps going up 10, 20 years from now? And we know that the Americans are not good at indexing things to match times. How would it be if your family home suddenly had a tax applied to it or something like that? When you haven't even lived there for 30 years or maybe you never lived there. Amy, you're an American. Get used to it. It's the American. <laughs> I mean, what do you think the point of this tax system is if not to you know, confiscate assets outside America. But ridiculous. I mean, there's no question, objectively, this is what's going on. And, and another aspect of what you're describing is that these people are going to get closer to the 2 million threshold and be covered expatriates, and they can't renounce without being, you know, hit with an exit tax. I mean, I wrote something up a few days ago, long overdue. I mean, I've known of this for years, but it occurred to me i never written anything on it. But, you know, if you're covered as patriot and you have a non-U.S. pension, uh, that if you renounce, they're going to confiscate a portion of that non-U.S. pension. But guess what? If it's a U.S. pension, you get to keep it. In other words, U.S. pensions they get to keep, non-U.S. pensions they confiscate. This is the American way. It's ridiculous. They have no concept of how they are perceived outside of the United States. They don't... They don't realise that other countries see this as basically Americans taking over the world. That's a phrase I've actually I've actually heard said a few times. Yeah, it's Americans over the world. It's colonisation. Hmm. It's colonisation. All right. So in this context, uh, you know, every time there's an election, there's all this pressure from you know various political parties to. Get out and vote, right? Which means really get out and vote for taxation on your neighbors in other countries, right? Vote for your captors. Hmm? Vote for your captors. That's what it's saying. Think of this generally. This sort of, you know, trying to conscript, you know, these American citizens living in other countries as tax residents of other countries to somehow vote in America. What do you think of this anyway? I think it's beyond ridiculous. I mean, if there was somebody who 
had never even lived in Australia, yet had Australian dual citizens somehow, I would not want that person voting in an Australian election. And yet this is exactly what these people are advocating for in America. If you've never lived there and you probably never will, and you just happen to be a dual citizen, you should not be voting in another country's elections because if something goes wrong as a result of your vote, I mean, I know that's a far-fetched example because one vote's probably not going to, you know, ruin a country, but you well, catch my drift. You know, I mean, various, you know, the Democrats, for example, tell you that your vote is critical. Your vote will make a difference. All they tell you that. Oh, that's right. They do. Yes. My one vote, fact that I failed to vote, is what ruined everything. I'm sorry. Well, I'm <laughs> clear on the reality here, okay, that, you know, there are votes and there are votes from Amy from Sydney, okay? Decisive <laughs> votes, important votes, determinative votes. If I get it wrong, my family in America are the ones who pay the price. Well, I'll be sitting around in some Sydney coffee shop going, whoops, sorry, while reading my phone and drinking a latte. That's not right. You know, it's fascinating. You look at a country like Ireland, okay? Ireland has more citizens living outside Ireland than in Ireland. What if all the citizens outside Ireland vote in the hopes of being able to pass a law that everybody in Ireland has to send $1,000 a month to somebody, you know, somebody they can identify outside Ireland who's an Irish citizen? Hey, well, what's the problem with that? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even know that Ireland had that many citizens outside of it. There is some, you know, there's some reasonableness and logic to if you don't live in a country that, you know, you shouldn't be able to vote. But on the issue of voting, I mean, you know, U.S. Uh, people abroad have no representation. I mean, you know, the political party, the Democrats care about them only for their vote. That's it. You know, they might, you know, that's because they're just busing people in to vote. Let's bust somebody in and we'll use them for their vote. Yep. That's what it looks like to me. But do you think that, do you think that uh, these political parties are committed to getting rid of these, ta these uh, tax and regulatory problems? Or do you think they're just trying to get your vote or what? Do they call you for your vote? I was called on four occasions in the lead up to the midterms. Really? Tell me how how does the call go? Are they reading from a well, script? Pardon? Are they reading from a script? What did they do? It felt like it was read from a script, if I'm honest. Well, I knew who it was as soon as the call showed up on my phone because okay, it's I'm a decent number. You be the caller, okay? What was that? I'm going to play you, Amy, and you can be the caller. I want to hear how this goes, okay? Ring, ring, <laughs> ring. This is Amy. Hello. <laughs> Hello, John. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Have you remembered to put in your vote? My vote? What do you mean? Yes, are you aware that the U.S. midterms are coming up and the Democrats desperately need your vote? because there's all these issues happening in, in America. We're trying to address them, and we need you. Have you voted? Well, actually, I haven't. But what are these issues that need to be addressed? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We're talking about women's rights. We're talking about 
ethnic minorities, we're talking about all those things. And we're going to help all of those people because we think we're the best people to help them. And if you don't help them, who knows what the Republicans are going to do to them? What are the Republicans going to do to them? Oh, um, well, we've heard that they're going to take more of their rights away. Like which one? Which one? Which right? Oh, well, um, I suppose they don't have many left to take away, do they? <laughs> there must be something. America must have some right. We're going to fix their rights. Okay. Well, you know, I, I got a question for you, okay? I mean, you know, your call is coming, you know, in an interesting moment because, like, what I have on my table, okay, is um, is actually my last year's U.S. tax return. And, you know, I'm trying to understand how it might apply to this year's return. And I was just wondering, um, like, do you, is there any interest in the, you know, like, are you going to do something about this, or do you think this is a good thing? Oh, um, um, vote from abroad. If you vote from abroad in big enough numbers, um, then they might help us. Do, do they Literally, that's what I was told, John. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, is this an important issue for the Democratic Party, you know, to get rid of this, this tax problem? Well, um... If we vote in big enough numbers, then they'll know that it's a problem because then they'll know that we're voting for them. How will they know that? Because we'll be voting. You mean just the fact of voting gives them all the information on what's important to the voter? Please vote from abroad. <laughs> this is literally how the phone call was going, John. No matter what I said to these people, they link it back to vote, vote, vote. And I'm tired of these guilt trips of, like, people suffering in America because we didn't vote. No. How about America take care of their own issues? They start addressing it for themselves rather than putting this onto our shoulders and trying to guilt us into voting for people who've got no interest in doing anything other than hurt us. You think that their interest is in hurting, hurting Americans abroad? Oh, definitely, because they just want our money and they want our vote. They have no intention of even taking five minutes to think about whether or not we're being treated fairly. This brings me to something else that's been on my mind, John. What's that? The, Democrat, the Democrats Abroad Taxation Task Force completed that rather comprehensive report last year I read it from cover to cover. It's really quite good. And they've got these smaller versions, like bite-sized things that you can just print off one page and send it to your rep because they're always telling us, write to your representatives. So you can print that one page off, attach it to your letter, and somebody will see at a glance what the issues are. And hopefully it will feed their curiosity to read more. It's a great report, but... I want to know what's being done with it and what has been done with it. We've been told that people are going to read it, but who's read it? It's not enough for us to be heard about our issues. We want solutions, not just a listening ear. And that report, if that doesn't get out and get to the right desks, 
it's going to be very hard, I think, to get our cooperation going forward. I remember when they announced they were going to do that survey, there was a bit of a backlash on Twitter. People were saying things like, we've done surveys. We've done this before. Nothing changed. I'm we're sorry. tired of people promising to hear us. We want action. Oh, action. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't think things are getting better, okay? It doesn't. I, I see, for example, the Bittner decision. I think it's great for Bittner, but the general discussion of the decision, I think, was very ominous for Americans abroad generally. You know, particularly the the minority decision, which you know lists the relevant facts as being an American citizen with bank accounts in Switzerland, Romania, and Liechtenstein, and that's it. You know, mm. no, no reference to the fact that he wasn't living in the United States and and all that kind of stuff, right? So I, I think this is this is not so good. Um, I really wonder. You know, I really, I really wonder if people aren't running out of options, particularly given the fact that uh, there really does not seem to be a critical mass of American uh, citizens affected by this who really are willing to invest the time, the energy, the money, and focus and participate in any kind of change. Well, why do you think that is? I think that some of these people are afraid of the US government and the IRS knowing their name. Meanwhile, how many US citizens abroad have put their name out there? Consider yourself, John. What about Marcel, Fabian, Keith, um, Karen, all these people, they've put their face and their name out and nobody's complaining about any kind of a backlash. So... Why can't John Doe from Sydney or Melbourne or London or wherever just sign a petition or make a donation to Fabian's fundraising? You can even make the donation anonymously if you're that worried about it. They can do something. The very least they could do is support the people who are willing to take the action. Well, that is the most So I think that, you know, largely it's because... You know, first of all, I don't think, in fairness, they understand the issue terribly well. But I think what they're saying is just getting whatever their issue is solved, right? Uh, they're not, you know, they don't care too much about the whole the broader thing. But I find it amazing as I look at, um, you know, these things sort of unfold, how, you know, how little support there is. It's, I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, I don't, it makes me wonder if, you know, there isn't something fundamentally wrong with the American psyche. It's possible. I think a lot of, another issue is a lot of these people are actual expats who are only going to be outside of the U.S. for a year or two, and it's not worth their effort to get involved. I mean, they'd be far better off sitting on the beach somewhere, I'm sure, but... 
all the same, it doesn't take that long and it doesn't take that much money. If everybody simply donated 10 euros to Fabian's link, it wouldn't take that long for the money to roll in. There's oh. what, between 6 million and 9 million of us? More than enough. We could, we could each do 10 euros easily. And this is, I've been told that this fundraising is ahead of a court case where they're going to try and get it to the Supreme Court. Now, yeah. is that not a worthy goal? Well, no, it, it's not a worthy goal if you believe in citizenship taxation. And I think the problem is that a lot of them do believe in citizenship taxation because they believe that they're Americans and that to be an American, it's about taxation. I mean, you know, that's it's really as simple as that. Well, I've actually had some get quite aggressive towards me online because they feel that I'm taking the benefits of U.S. citizenship without being oh, willing to pay for it. Help me with this. What, what, what benefits? <laughs> what benefits? If there are benefits available to us that we haven't been taking advantage of because we did not know about it, great. Let us know. That might change our minds. But somehow I don't think that that's the case. I think they've been told U.S. Yeah. citizenship has benefits. Just being an American is in and of itself so valuable and such a benefit in life that you should pay for it when, you know, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that being an American is now a disability in life. I mean, that's, that's the problem. I mean, it's not a disability if you want to stay in the United States, but I think it is a disability to not be able to leave the United States and live a normal life, right? The homelanders don't realize they are trapped. No, they don't. I mean, they think that uh, they they think that America is, you know, the the freest country in the world. And you know, I mean, there are to be clear. I mean, there are all kinds of places that are far worse. But it's very difficult to see by any objective standard how America could be anywhere near the top. Well, considering their gun problems and and I do know that's a sensitive issue because there are some people who really don't believe that that's a problem because they believe that it's their right. And in all fairness, in the Constitution, it is, in fact, enshrined. But I wouldn't want to be, you know, living in fear of being shot everywhere I go. You know, it's Sunday morning here in Sydney. Last night I went out into the city. I took the train by myself into the city and came home again on the train by myself Nobody attacked me. Nobody threatened me. People just left me alone as a female travelling alone. Not one gun was shoved in my face. <sighs> but surely that was an exception. Doesn't that usually happen? When you... <laughs> oh, you know, actually, a lot of Australians, I think, don't realise how good we've got it. They're constantly complaining, oh, I don't feel safe wandering around the city. And, yes, things happen, but it's not It's not like that. <laughs> they need to appreciate what they've got. Well, you know, I would say at this point the problem is not the U.S. government. The problem is American citizens. It does look that way, doesn't it, John? If they're not willing to stand up and act... 
What makes them think that this is ever going to get done? Some of these people probably actually do support CBT and the ones that don't like it complain bitterly about it, but they're not willing to do anything. Well, as far as I'm concerned, despite what they say, they are an active supporter of CBT. I think that's right. I, I would agree yeah. with you. I think that's right. It's like the Nazis got away with it because people kept quiet. The USA government and the IRS are getting away with it because citizens abroad keep quiet. If we made more noise, we'd get more media coverage. If we made more noise... Perhaps some of these people in Congress might actually have to take the issue a bit more seriously. But no, they'd rather sit quietly and hope that somebody else takes care of the problem. Nobody else is coming. We've only got ourselves. Actually, I think a large part of the problem is the legal profession. Oh, really? That's an interesting opinion, John. You are a lawyer. Well, that is true. That's why I see it so clearly. Well. I mean, you know, you, you raise the issue of, of the Nazis in that period in history, right? Um, mm, it's an awful period in history. Of course, it was an awful period in history. But part of the reason they got away with it is because the lawyers, the profession understood that their job was to interpret the laws. I mean, you know, if you got any backlash from any, you know, any organized group, I think it would make a difference. But what I find fascinating, you know, when I read things written by lawyers and accountants on this issue, is you know very often with surgical precision they describe you know how these laws work what they require but they never really explain what they mean right you know in people's lives and i think mm -hmm. that is a gigantic problem a gigantic problem I and mean, what's yeah. the point what's the point of you know of being a lawyer you know, unless you're willing to try to do some good with that, you know, with that license. I mean, you know, it's a licensed profession. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, on some level, I think it includes an obligation to, you know, generally support the legal system. But I think it also includes an obligation to explain what the legal system means, you know, in, in people's lives. I mean, doesn't that make sense to you? Yes, it does, and I'm thinking a lot on that now. The lawyers really are the people best placed to understand the law and communicate it to the rest of them. They won't. They won't. You will get. You will get lawyers who, you know, I think do, you know, a decent job in immigration and you know certain types of human rights lawyers. But the problem with this is mm -hmm. that it's all in the language of taxation. Okay. And there is no, there is no better place to hide the purest form of evil than a tax code. Okay. Yeah. You know, for many reasons, not the least of which nobody can understand what it even says, right? You know, half the time. So, I mean, I think that's a problem. And I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm a great supporter of things like the fair tax. <clears throat> not so much because I think that income taxes are inherently evil, but because it's simple and people can understand what it says. You know, people can understand what they're required to do. 
you know, you don't have all these crazy carve outs, you know, and this, and, you know, people don't need lawyers and accountants to interpret the law. So not only do we have, you know, complexity with these tax laws, but we have, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a way of interpreting them that, that, that sort of explains what they say, but never really explains what they mean. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, you know, you write this stuff and, and nobody cares anyway. So, I, you know, and I it do. Was, they told, keep writing. To who? Who's, who's reading our letters? Um, well, who's reading the letters? Um, I think that's one question, but the question is how many people are really writing letters? Uh, you know, I guess they fewer than we're told. Mm -hmm. I, I posted know. one off to the president just yesterday. Uh -huh. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I mean, there's the question who's reading them, but the real question is are they understanding them contextually, right? And this is why I think that the time has come to stop using the language of citizenship taxation, and you know figure out other ways to get this message across. I mean, if anybody cares about getting the message across, I mean, I know that Amy from Sydney is an ambassador for freedom, justice, and fair taxation. <laughs> I think the fair tax guys should have you on their show. Ambassador <laughs> is a nice word, I'll take that, but I tend to think of myself more of an internet pest. I've been called a troll I don't think that's quite fair to trolls because trolls are generally organised. I'm not. I just get on there and go for it. Call <laughs> oh, you a troll is an insult to a true troll? Oh, yeah. I'm more of a pest. Trolls are organised. <laughs> but you know what? Social media is also a powerful tool in this because there's been a lot of times when we've, really gotten this conversation going mainly on Twitter and people add in all these different accounts and those accounts are going to start getting notifications. And at some point, somebody might just look at this and go, hang on, who are these people complaining about the US tax code that don't even live in America? Then well, they might start reading it. Sydney needs to be a household name. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I think the label should be trademark franchise. So, you know, we'd have people all over the world. I'm Amy from Sydney and Germany. I'm Amy from Sydney. <laughs> I'm Amy from Sydney and Mexico. But there is <laughs> true Amy from Sydney. And on that note, it's always fun to talk to you. We're going almost an hour here. So maybe we should wrap it. I mean, what are your concluding thoughts, feelings, and a message that you would like to get out to Americans abroad? Well, my message is very blunt and very direct and simple. If you don't like citizenship taxation, then join the fight against it because it's not going anywhere. No one's coming to save us. We've only got ourselves. And if you don't actively go against it, then you are pretty much passively, if not actively, for it. 
You know, now that sounds to me like George Bush, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. Now, do you like the idea of uh, people sort of applying to become the Amy from Sydney and other countries? Are you accepting yeah. that? If somebody wants to become the Amy from Sydney in another part of the world, how would they go about doing it? <laughs> well, you'd have to be slightly insane because that's probably what I am. That's a good starting point. <laughs> but jokes aside, just start. Just get onto Twitter. That's how I found all of you all. I got picked up under the Foreign Accounts Tax Compliance Act started you know googling started getting onto the social media asking questions one thing leads to another eventually i found all you amazing people got my connections going now and i've learned more about it and i suppose that just makes it easier to learn who it is you've got a right to who it is you need to speak to what kind of things you can do what activities are happening I was a little bit disappointed, actually. The Australian government called for a review on tax treaties in, I think it was December last year. There were seven complaining about the US tax treaty, only seven. Yet how many people with a US citizenship live in Australia? A total of seven were willing to write. That isn't going to do anything. People need to actually start doing something. But uh, I don't think anybody deserves this. But on the other hand, if you know if people aren't willing to help themselves, I don't think they deserve help from anybody else either. Well, they they don't want to put their own names and faces out, but they're willing to let us take the fall. And I just don't think that that's right. And for what it's worth, I am yet to hear of anybody, and please correct me if I'm wrong, John, because you might know, I'm yet to hear of anybody at all who has been penalised by the US government or the IRS for speaking out against this. Well, maybe they regard it as speaking out against America, and we know what's been happening with Julian Assange. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway. Basically, I think that you're right on these on your perceptions of this stuff, which is the good news. Mm. And the bad news is that, well, basically, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sure where we go to, from here, but you know, this this will continue. And I think the key point is that every country needs an Amy from Sydney, right? <laughs> every country needs a John Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney, you're, you're, you're the one out there on the social media. Anyway, this is great, and we will pick this up again down the road. Now, it's Monday. What is this, Sunday morning? What, what, what's, what are you doing? Are you drinking wine again today? <laughs> no, not this time. I've, I've got the waters now. <laughs> I did have a few wines last night out with my friends, though. <laughs> Australian wine's pretty good. All right, excellent. All right, well, we'll pick it up again soon. Thanks, Amy. Thank you.